This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air. Tēnā koutou katoa, ko Jen Olsen tōku ingoa. Welcome everyone, my name is Jen Olsen. This is the Environment Awareness Show brought to you by Extinction Rebellion Otapoti. Oh look, it's great to be back. We're back for a new series of 10 fortnightly programmes with interviews, opinions and interesting discussions about the environment, the climate crisis and all sorts of related topics. We're going to be going out on a Tuesday at 1pm with a replay on Saturday at 11am. You can listen to our podcasts by going to the Environment Awareness Show on the Otago Access Radio podcast page. And you can send us comments and suggestions to our email address, dunedin at extinctionrebellion.nz. We really appreciate your feedback and your ideas. If they're good ones, we'll follow them up. So, today, today was the first national school strike action for a year, and I'm lucky enough to have have been there and to have chatted to some of the young people who took part in the march. So, I did my recordings out in the octagon. You'll hear the other kids in the background. What a fantastic atmosphere and what an amazing turnout from our young people demanding climate justice it's really moving i'll let them speak for themselves okay so i'm here in the octagon and we've just seen a really amazing march the kids for the school strike for climate you know all up here and you might hear them in the background um and i'm talking to liam um who is a member of xr youth hi liam hi how are you today Oh, good, thanks. Yeah, well, what do you think about the march today, Liam? I think it's been amazing. Um, we've had a really good turnout from lots of schools. Um, you can see that looking around, and it's just amazing to look around and see so many people um, uh, chanting, you know, making the, the demands of our generation known, um, and also seeing our amazing speakers has been really awesome. Yeah, they're so inspiring, some of these kids. It's just so articulate. They're really great. So has the school strike in Dunedin got any particular demands? Yeah, so just earlier they were reading out some um, demands, and there are demands both locally and nationally. Um, So some of our local demands include having local government um, cooperate with national government in order to decarbonise the public sector. Um, And we also have demands... um, Surround, similar to what the government's announced recently um, around um, banning coal boilers and phasing out coal, but we think those things should happen a lot um, quicker than they are currently. Well, yeah, schools using coal for heating, it's not a good look, is it? Not at all, and there has been some money set aside by the government for it, um, but so far none of it's been spent, so we'd really like to see some action there. And are there any timelines for that in Dunedin that you know of? Uh, do you mean official timelines or ta- what we'd like to see happen? Well, let's see, let's see what the, the difference is between those two. Um, so the official timelines are that coal boilers, well, nationally, coal boilers are going to be banned um, at the end of this year and they're going to be tra- phased out by, I think it's 2037 completely, um, which is far too late for any meaningful action. Um, research shows that we're currently committed to two degrees of warming and what we really need to be doing... Um, in New Zealand and all across the world is actually taking carbon out of the atmosphere. So keeping things at their 
current level and only slowly reducing that until 2037 isn't enough. Action needs to be taken right now. Oh, look, I couldn't agree more. And just seeing everyone here knowing that and, and yeah, and demanding it is really great. Yeah, it's amazing. It's, um, it really fills you with hope for, you know, our futures. Yeah. I hope so. Let's hope, the, uh, let's hope everyone listens to it. Thanks very much, Liam. It's no good problem. to talk to you. Okay, well, I'm here in the Octagon with Jana. And um, Jana's just taken part in the march. How did you find it today, Jana? Ah, really emotional in a really powerful way. You know, it's, um, I think a lot of young people, there's a certain grief that is felt um, from having grown up in, in this climate as it is and kind of converting that grief into energy and positivity and lots of yelling, you know, it's intense. My voice is a little bit funky right now. Yeah, Yeah, it's great. I know, I, I was doing a bit of yelling from the back myself. Yeah, it's somehow it's, it does help to express yourself in that way. Do you find that? I do find it helps. Like with, um, It's also seen in martial arts too, which is the reason why often when you do, um, a, when you a kick, punch, jab, um, various moves, you make a sound, either like a or a thing. And um, it, it's, that, it's the idea of um, releasing energy and then empowering you further. So I think that carries over. I know a lot of older people find it really moving to hear from the young people because it really is you guys that are going to get the changes that are happening with the climate. Yeah, and, and as you say, you know, that's a very emotional thing. I don't know if people can hear the background, everybody cheering the speakers there now. But yeah, tell us a bit about the kind of the emotional effect that sort of thing has on you, Jana. Um... Well, I mean, the emotion right now with the with the strike, it's all very conflicted because you've got the demoralized, oh, the government isn't doing enough and, you know, we're in this state. And then you've also got looking out into the octagon at this sea of students, you know. Uh, what, 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 how many do you think would be here? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, it's got to be over a thousand, doesn't it? Um, I'm not, I'm never very good at estimating the numbers, actually, but maybe 1,500? Our yeah. estimate was, I think, just over a thousand. Yeah. So, um, and it's just—it's incredibly moving to see this space so packed full of, um, yeah, the people who are going to end up leading, um, and and yeah, the people who are going to end up leading and seeing us all together is really powerful. Oh, yeah, and then some really great speakers. Um, now, what was the name of the young woman who spoke from Tuvalu? I don't remember. Ah, no, she was really moving. Of course, Tuvalu is actually, you know, their home. home, Their land is under threat from the rising sea. So that kind of, that really strikes home, doesn't it? No, that was was incredibly powerful. And um, also, especially considering that, I forget who, you might remember the name, but the the Australian Prime Minister who looked at the Tuvalu, uh, Tuvalu and the citizens and said well maybe we could give all of your citizens Australian citizenship in exchange for your maritime and fishing rights um, and the idea that a world leader is you know going then and seeing a crisis and seeing seeing the people who are being people who are being hurt and people who are being so impacted on a fundamental level with their lives and their, their homes being gone and you know the, these world leaders seeing it as, as a dollar sign as a um, a, a monetary value it's just it's so backwards and crazy now that was uh, incredibly it was an incredibly potent speech yeah that um 
that really got me, that statement. Was it John Howard or Scott Morrison? I'm not sure. But um, Morrison. it just goes to show how little our leaders are doing, doesn't it? it it's not enough. It's all words and no action. Absolutely. And it's, and it's, it's distressing. It's distressing. We'll see whether you know our generation's leaders are better, but really, the leaders who are in power now, they need to get their act together as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> not, not that I'm, you know, uh, I have a PhD and I'm super full on, whatever, but you know, you get into the, the science, the numbers, and they're all real and there's the science to back it up. But then you talk about the, the people and the humanity perspective and the philosophy and moral side of things, and what they're doing is just immoral. I don't care about the numbers. The economy doesn't exist if, um, the economy doesn't exist if we don't exist, and what, what superpowers are doing is immoral. Well, that's right. I mean, basically, what's, what's an economy all about anyway? It's about the people in the country giving them uh, a livelihood and a well-being. Um, and that's not working for most people in this country at the moment anyway. So, no, I mean, I, I quite agree. It's, it's oh, I mean, sometimes words fail me. I just would like to see me things, too. I would like to th- see things working very differently and some very different attitudes from, from our leaders, you know, around what they're going to do. Um, for the future yeah. you know when I think for young people because they're not so invested in the system and you know it's easier to actually envisage things being different whereas that the longer you live for a lot of people you get very caught up in the way things are and it's and it's hard to change yeah what do you think I mean I think I think that's part of it I also think though it really comes down to ah the the intensity like Precisely because youth have never known a different world, we've kind of grown up. There was never that moment, you know, of, oh, the climate crisis exists. It's kind of just kind of always been there. Oh. Um, but that means then that you've got these two kind of reactions to deal with that really intense grief, you know, when you're 13 and you're thinking and you're reading these statistics about how, you know, by the time you're 36, it's going to be, the, this is what the world's going to look like. Um, mm. And I think you can either go the getting really impassioned and fighting for something, um, or there's a huge amount of apathy, actually, um, that's more, um, I think, a coping mechanism to deal with the um, absolute, like, uh, catastrophic mental and emotional turmoil at being a little kid and being told that your world's dying and there's they can't do anything about it because you yeah. can't vote, you know, and, um, yeah. Yeah, gosh. I mean, for, for older people, that, um, that feeling of helplessness comes from just appreciating the size of the change that is needed um, and understanding the systems that are in place that are maintaining the current way of life. Um, and a lot of older people just, that is just too much. And they just, I mean, we would say they just bury their heads in the sand, really. They just hope that things are just going to carry on and don't want to think about it at all but horrendous for kids who think that they've got no no future and even like the number of young people I know who uh, myself included who are like I would never want to bring a child into this world and I realize it's not always you know a matter of choice um but the number of people I know who are like I couldn't bear to bring another little life into this world that's doomed is really 
immense and I find that is also distressing and really telling too these are people who might not be you know super activist in the streets yelling and screaming um, but that fu- fundamental chronic um, despair is felt by everybody yeah, I think that, that, is really, that is really sad to hear you know because it's I mean it's a, just a disruption to the natural order of things you know where you kind of foresee a future for yourself having kids and you know and yeah I mean, and we really don't know what the future holds. There's a great deal of uncertainty, isn't there? Yeah, and it, and it sounds dramatic, but um, it sounds dramatic, but it is. I know a lot of people who view us as being the last generation. By the way, I'm I'm 16, just like for the reference here. Gosh. Yeah. Gosh, is that really possible? I hope not, but certainly I think you guys will be the last generation that grow up with this way of life that we see around us now when we look around and see all the basically all the cars in the streets and you know oh, yeah you're, you're, you're right no I'm totally I'm going into like despair mode here uh, no sorry uh, no, I'll, no. no I mean the, sorry about that no no um the other thing is like I mean there are so many positive um alternatives and there are so many solutions and it is really easy to get bogged down um in in what everything that isn't happening but there is an, a lot that is happening that is good um, and we know what we need to do now it's just a matter of putting that social pressure to make it happen um, and that's what's really inspiring about being here because I feel like you know this is yeah. you know parliament says well we need we need to show the p- public support we need the social movement this is the social movement right here yeah tell me what democracy looks like this is what democracy looks like I Absolutely. heard you guys yeah that's it listen to us Jacinda we are telling you right now we want that action this should be our country's nuclear moment absolutely because politics is um, the root of the word oh, the exact words are lost to me now but like the root of the word is in you know of the people yeah. um, and the idea that politics like so many people I know are like oh I, w- I wouldn't get involved in that's a political conversation but politics is actually just I mean or it should be in my opinion the people and this is the people so yeah politics rules the way that we live our lives yeah Everything has to do with politics. Exactly. I know a lot of people don't like to hear that, but it's true. You know, it touches everything, and not to be interested in it is mad, really. I feel like every every action almost is inherently political, especially yeah. when you're in a setting like this and you're out on the streets. But even even little things, um, and every yeah, there's there's everything is deeply entrenched in the politics because we live in a society. Exactly. Yeah. We're dependent on each other and we need to listen to each other. Yes, we we totally are. And we're, we're this interdependent, you know, you need... Yes, uh, people talk about individual change and we need the individual change, but we only need the individual change with the systemic change because individual change on its own isn't enough. No. They both have to happen and one leads to the other. So it's kind of a, a circular, you know, they both have to happen at the same time. But the idea that we're putting, that corporations and governments are putting pressure on the individual to make those changes, you know, um, it's the privileged few who can afford electric cars. Like, that's just the reality of it. And so the idea that we're putting pressure on, you know, individual people, oh, you're responsible for the fate of the world now, when we've got, when the government is investing in fossil fuels that are just astronomical, you know, Mm. uh, it's it's absurd. It's not fair, is it? I just heard earlier on the radio... um, school strike kids in Christchurch one of the demands being free public transport 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what a great demand. I think that'd be fabulous. Yeah. Um, I've been told a lot by the Dunedin City Council. Actually, if anybody on the Dunedin City Council is, is hearing this, uh, you, should, you would be happy to know that I have very much received the message that you um, don't have control over the public transport system. So it's, it's ORC next. Yes, that's right. I mean, it's, yeah, it's got to be. That was, that was one of the good things that happened during COVID, actually, was yeah. free public transport. And if only they could have kept that up. Yeah. You know, we need to reduce the number of cars on the road. What better way? So what else, what other demands have the Dunedin school strikers um, put forward today? Well, firstly, um, in terms of our local demands, the last year at the annual plan, we submitted a, we made a submission to the DCC and we said, you know, we need climate change to be talked about. And they, because it was in there, but only as like a footnote, you know, we'll be uh, net carbon zero um, by 2030. And they were like, we'll get to it in the 10 year plan because it's these next 10 years, right? And um, it, they, they didn't get to it really in the 10 year plan. It's like a tiny bit in their, in their piece. And I say to the council as well, I asked them, you know, what are you doing with regards to climate change? And a lot of it is about adaptation, how we're going to adapt St. Clair and St. Kilda's um, to climate change. And it's, there's not enough focus on mitigation. So that's one of our demands is that it needs to be um, more explored and more deeply uh, in the 10-year plan, they need to do something about climate change um, yeah. really, really powerfully, um, which they're not doing despite promising it. Um, another one is decarbonisation of the public sector is actually a national goal, but specifically in Dunedin, we have upwards of 30 school- schools, I think, that are still burning coal. That's yes. not including gas. Oh, yes, Liam mentioned that. And getting a, a better timeline around that because it's too far into the future, you know, that, yeah, that they're talking about making them um, zero carbon but that's a really good point about the 10-year plan actually um, and that is something that our listeners can do to this to the, Absolutely. is is make a submission now I was just talking to the mayor earlier unfortunately he's had to go back to work now so I was unable to get an interview with him but um, wow can we hear that I hope so um, so he was saying that public hearings start in May. Um, anyone is able to present to the council about what they feel needs to happen. And um, the mayor, who is a Green Party supporter, or Green Party member even, um, he's the chair and he's really happy to um, hear people's presentations. So certainly a lot of us will be getting down there and putting our point on that. Oh, yeah. Make a submission. Make a submission and talk about the Dunedin that you want to see in 10 years. And the other thing is that the 10-year plan actually rolls around every three years. So, you know, you do it this time. Three years later, you can submit on a new 10-year plan. Um, hopefully, you won't need to by then because, you know, we'll be carbon zero. <laughs> oh, yeah. That would be great, wouldn't it? Oh, well, look, thank you so much. It's been really good to talk to you today. Thank you very much. Yeah. Can you tell us who, which schools are represented here today? There's a big group from Logan Park and there's also groups from Otago Boys, some Otago Girls, Queens, um, Bayfield, John McGlashan. There's even some small, a small group of people from DNI. Yeah, I thought I saw some girls from, from Queens. I don't recognise all the uniforms myself, but um, 
Really good turnout though. How many do you think were here? I'm not sure about most schools, but I think at Logan Park there were at least 300. Wow. I'd say there was over 1,000 in total. We'll go 1,500. What do you reckon? Maybe. It's, it's really hard to tell. They made enough noise for that anyway. Oh, thanks. Look, I'm just sitting here with Oscar, um, and Oscar has a, a lizard. Um, can you tell me a bit about your lizard? Uh, I have an eastern blue-tongued skink here. His name's YB. I rescue reptiles, and I'm a huge reptile enthusiast. I'm studying zoology uh, so that I can go into reptile conservation. And, and Blake was saying you were talking before about the, the risk to reptiles from climate change. Yeah, absolutely. New Zealand has hugely biodiverse reptiles. Our reptiles are unique to anywhere else in the world, and we're constantly discovering more, which is amazing. All of our reptiles give live birth, but we also have uh, pest species like plague skinks, and as our country warms, plague skinks are able to journey further north. This means that they'll be eating uh, food so that our lizards will have to compete with for food sources. Uh, they're taking up resources. They're incredibly harmful to our native populations of reptiles and Otago has some truly stunning lizards oh, well yeah does that include things like the jeweled skinks they are so beautiful aren't they yeah so yeah I mean we really need to protect those what can we do uh, it's we can't really keep them we can't safely keep them all in captivity we can't just go up there and bring them all into captivity because that would keep them safe but it would also destroy the ecosystem. Yeah. Uh, so our main goal is to keep the Otago, to keep the plague skinks from reaching Otago and that's getting harder and harder as the years go by. So recently they were spotted in Christchurch which is the further south they've ever been spotted which is a huge concern yeah. and they're just, they're just getting closer. We need immediate climate action if we want to protect them and... Uh, keep our skinks alive yeah so what do these other skinks look like and where do they come from uh they're called rainbow skinks in in australia and uh they're they're brown they're small and brown they have no distinct markings we also have a native skink that looks just like them called a copper skink but the scales on their heads are different i can't remember off the top of my head but one of them has a, a large diamond shaped scale on their head and the other one doesn't. Gosh, it would be quite hard for someone like me who like, recognises a skink but probably couldn't tell the difference. Absolutely. If you see any skink, if you see any very small lizards, like maybe from your thumb to your middle finger, mm-hmm. uh, they'll be dark brown and uh, very small and quick and lying probably on fences, on pavements... Uh, report it to the Department of Conservation immediately, see if you can take photos, because if we can find out where they are, it's easier to reduce the risk, it's easier to uh, stop them from destroying our native reptiles. Oh, look, what a great piece of advice. Anyone can do that. Just whip out your phone, take a picture of it, and send it to Doc, and they can tell you whether it is a native skink or it's one of the bad guys. Yeah. You should probably be doing that with uh, all reptiles that you see. See, because say, uh, if there's an injured one, or there's a pregnant one, or if their range has changed, or if you just need one identified, 
uh, the Department of Conservation can help. There are also some amazing Facebook groups that can help with that. Uh, but if you see reptiles, report them to the Department of Conservation, especially small skinks. Right. Well, thank you very much for talking to me today. That is really interesting. Thank You're you. Welcome. Well, that's all we've got time for today. Thanks very much for listening. And wasn't that inspiring? Just so good to hear from our young people. So we'll be back fortnightly now with our environment awareness show and I hope that you can listen in to us on Otago Access Radio um, or check out our podcasts and pass the link on to your friends. See you soon. Bye. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.